Welcome to the Franchise Hounds Podcast. I'm Greg Macchia, a certified franchise consultant. Thanks for joining me as I interview franchise industry pros to dissect, explore, and discover franchise ownership. Joining me today is Thomas Nieto. Thomas is the CEO of Main Squeeze Juice Company. At Main Squeeze Juice Company, they take pride in their 100% plant-powered, cold-pressed juices. Their award-winning fresh and raw juices are made locally every day and cram two to four pounds of whole fruits and vegetables into each bottle. I hope you enjoy today's discussion with Thomas Nieto from Main Squeeze Juice Co. Thomas, welcome to Franchise Hounds. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Greg, for having me. Yeah, I've never been to one of your locations, but I really love the name and the branding. I think it's uh, it's really cool. So I'm excited to learn more about uh, Main Squeeze Juice Company. Absolutely. Excited to talk about it. I wanted to start with uh, asking you about your strategy to kind of partner with professional athletes. Absolutely. Are, are they both franchisees and spokespersons or how does that work? No, they're actually both partners uh, in the franchise entity itself. And so they're part of the, uh, the mothership. Uh, as we call it, and they've played uh, key roles in helping really amplify uh, a lot of our success, and uh, w- which has in turn helped fuel a lot of growth. Obviously, for a young emerging company, you know it's you're looking for every and any opportunity to be able to get your name out there and get recognized and get people to notice you and pay attention, especially when you have something as special um, as what we have. So they, they've played. They've played key roles in helping to amplify our success. Yeah, that's great. I think it's really a you know a, a smart approach. You know, they're kind of able to use their their social their social capital in the world and kind of promote the brand and, and really take it a step further. You know, as their partners, right? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's Marquise Colston, right? Who is a Saints wide receiver, as well as uh, Thomas Morstead, a punter for the Saints. Yeah, yeah, Marcus Colston and Thomas Morstead, and, and uh, both Super Bowl champs. Marcus um, was a wide receiver, and uh, Thomas was a um, punter. Very cool. You know, I, I also read about uh, Malcolm Jenkins. He's a, I guess he was a safety on the Saints, and he launched a company to attract uh, more black athletes into franchising. I think he owns some some Papa John's. Right, and the other one is is Drew Brees. That's pretty well known in in the franchising world. Mm-hmm. Um, something going on in that that Saints locker room, right? Entrepreneurial bunch for sure. Well, I think athletes in franchising has been a a common trend um, as we've been seeing over the past um, few years. Uh, you know, and if you think about it, there's a lot of reasons as to why that is and why it makes a lot of sense. You know, professional athletes are really really good. At executing plays, um, they're really good at taking direction and going to execute um, upon that direction, and so that's kind of what franchising is, right? And it's general form. I mean, it's we have the playbook and we have kind of all the guidelines, the systems, the processes uh, to be and the, the tools to be able to empower people to be successful and, and teach them how to win and. Um, and so there's just a lot of alignments there, I think, within just kind of what what they're trained and taught to do um, and and do so well. Uh, when you apply those same principles in the business arena, I mean, franchising makes a lot of sense. 
Sure. No, for sure. And, and being part of a team, right? Not kind of going out on your own, right? Is another Correct. big piece of it. Yep. And I know, and I know a lot of uh, former athletes also want to give back to the, either the communities they grew up in or the communities, you know, that they played in and were embraced in for so long. So yeah, I agree. I think it's a, I think it's a great fit. Let, let's talk about your, your involvement with uh, Main Squeeze and, and how that kind of came to be and maybe a little bit of the history of the brand. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to give you the long story short. Um, my version of, of, of short, uh, is, is long for a lot of people though. So, um, but, uh, I'll do my best here. Basically I stumbled into it. Um, I was with AT&T, learned my kind of cut my teeth and learned my business chops with AT&T, uh, on their corporate retail side. I was with them for about 10 years, left as a regional manager over their corporate company owned retail locations in North Florida, uh, left AT&T to do a, a venture with a buddy of mine that I grew up with and we went to church together and did youth ministry together. The company was called In-N-Out Smart Repair, it was cell phone repair, technology repair. Uh, concept, you know, you crack your screen, you know, your laptop's broken, so where you go. So, uh, we had uh, at the time seven locations. We had a vision to be able to franchise it. It was my first franchising endeavor. I was a minority partner and the COO of that company, and uh, we scaled it to open. We opened uh, within three years' time. We became the fastest growing um, player in that space. We opened seventy-eight locations. We had one hundred and twenty signed. And we ended up getting acquired by now the largest player in the space, CPR, um, just cell phone repair. And, um, and so that was in March, April of 2017. And then from then, I was kind of looking on to, it's kind of funny actually on that story, like I did not want to sell. Um, I was having the time of my life. I'm a different cat. I'm not just in it for money. Like I want to you know, build something great um, that I could be really proud of and uh, just it's really fun to do that with you know uh, your best friends and that's kind of uh, what, what we were doing we were living the dream um, as you had said and uh, and so I was really disappointed actually when we saw it everybody's called me congratulating me oh my god you did it. and I'm like I'm like going to see a psychologist trying to like figure out like what am I going to do with my life <laughs> like I'm lost you know I need purpose and um yeah, how how old are you at this in twenty seventeen? How old was like? I in twenty seventeen? Well, I'm thirty six now. So what is that? Was that thirty thirty two? Yeah, four years ago. So yeah. anyway, I uh, you know decided. All right, well, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next. And uh, so I started. You know, actually, to my surprise, the press release went out, and I I was getting blown up with opportunities all over the place that I was not expecting at all. Um, but I figured, hey, look, let me strike while the iron's hot. You know, there's opportunity out there. Let me go explore it. So I went from I was going to take a six-month vacation because I'd never really taken a vacation in my entire life, uh, you know, certainly like that. And I was going to figure out life. Went from that six-month vacation to like the next day after that press release went out. I'm on the plane going to Orlando, going to Redwood, California, New York, Austin, all these places, exploring opportunities. Well, while I'm doing all that, I get a call from these guys that are in Lake Charles, Louisiana, which is – kind of like, you know, in my extended backyard, not too far, a few hour drive from, from where I live. And I was really intrigued by the conversation so much where I was like, you know, that Saturday I went up and decided to go meet with them. And so went up there, I'm looking at the cell phone concept. They had like five locations, very similar kind of setting to, to how in and out was. Um, and they, we kind of had to, you know, they wanted to do the same thing that, that I just did with in and out. Well, while I'm there randomly, um, the guy, uh, this, I was meeting with two guys, Nick Fontenot and Carl Como, two great guys. Um, and, uh, 
they said, hey, look, man, do you mind hopping in the car with me? My little sister is about to open a juice bar and she needs help like unloading produce. So I was like, well, that's random, but sure, I'll help. Um, and so I just hopped in the car, went over, uh, drove over to this place. And I'm telling you, man, it was like, it was like love at first sight. Um, I don't have a, a longstanding history of making the, the best choices when it comes to what I'm fueling my body with, especially being from Southeast Louisiana, New Orleans specifically. Um, <laughs> definitely never liked juice. Uh, if you talk to my mom, she said Mission Impossible to try to ever get me to eat vegetables. I was that guy. Only if it has vodka in it, right? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. You know me. You know me more than you think you do. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I mean, I walked into this juice bar and it's just – you, you knew instantaneously, okay, this is not your typical juice bar. I mean, the juice bars that I'm used to, like, you know, earth tones everywhere, vibrant colors, guy behind the counter has got long hair, doesn't shower because he doesn't believe in it, the universe is going to provide everything. I mean, just, and no offense to, like, that's, that's – I'm not trying to hate, but I'm just saying that's not me. Um, <laughs> and so that was just not what I experienced at all, man. It was the most beautiful, clean, sleek design uh, elegant, chic, uh, a lot of, um, you know, it was, uh, black and white, um, neutral colors, but then the vibrancy of the actual products themselves were kind of the color in the design and the fruits and the vegetables. I mean, it was really beautiful design. I was, I was taken immediately, uh, just by the design. And then Matt and Miranda, who are now married, uh, they're the ones that really get all the credit for, you know, working with uh, the chefs to come up with the recipes and building the product lineup. I mean, this is really kind of like their baby, you know, um, in Lake Charles. And, uh, and so they were like, hey, man, thank you so much for helping us. You know, you got to let us, you know, uh, let you try some of our products. And I was like, look, disclaimer, I don't really do juice, you know, um, but um, I'll try it. But don't be offended if I spit it out. Uh, <laughs> and that's really what I said. So they were like, no, I think you're going to be really, really surprised. I'm like, okay, cool. And I, to my surprise, I'm telling you, I'm drinking beet juice, vegetable juice. I mean, green juice. I'm like, and I am loving all of it. And I'm kind of like going through, I'm like, wow, how is this possible? Um, <laughs> how am I drinking something that's so healthy, that's supposed to taste so bad, but it tastes so great? I'm like, what are y'all putting in this? Uh, they're like, it's a straight... Two, two to four pounds of fruits and vegetables. Um, we just worked with some of the best chefs in the world out of Las Vegas. Think about that, by, by the way. This was a mom-and-pop juice bar. They had a vision to do one location and one location only. And they spent like $100,000 on recipe development. Yeah, that's amazing. With some of the best chefs. Like, who does that? Nobody does that. Um, so I was blown away, man. Then they were like, oh, you got to try the smoothies. I'm like, well, how great could a smoothie taste? You know I mean? It's a smoothie. They're all the same. Uh, you know, Smoothie King, Planet Nutrition, like, you know, I'd always get my muscle punch for smoothie. So I'm like, how great could a smoothie be? And to my surprise, I was blown away. I could not believe how incredible every single smoothie I was tasting. I was like, wow, wow. How? And I'm like, what are y'all putting in this? And they were like, just straight fruits, vegetables, plant-based um, for liquids. The only thing that we're adding is organic superfoods. I'm like, how is that possible? How is, <laughs> how is this so good? I don't get it. Um, and then they were like, well, now you have to try the acai bowls. I'm like, I didn't even know. I didn't even know how to pronounce. I'm like, acai, what? Like, what is this? Um, and they were like, yeah, the, 
They're wild harvested superfood berries that we literally get harvested from the Amazon rainforest. Like we support local indigenous tribes along the Amazon banks and they like climb the trees, pick the berries and then they <laughs> sort through them and everything. And then they flash freeze them and send them straight to our door. I'm like, well, that, that sounds incredible, but there's no way that that tastes good. You know, that sounds way too healthy. So, and I'm telling you, man, I'm trying the acai bowls and I'm blown away. I'm like, I, I, I would eat this over ice cream every day and it's like good for me. Um, so about that time after I tried all the juices, all the smoothies and now the acai bowls, I'm telling you, I'm feeling like a million bucks and you're talking to like a former yeah. caffeine <laughs> that, I mean, if you saw me, I had a cup of coffee in my hand at all times of the day, probably like eight plus cups a day. It was a problem. Um, but dude, I felt so great. I was like, man, I feel like a million bucks right now. And I was like, it was a natural energy rush. And they were like, yeah, well, like I said, two to four pounds of produce and every juice, like you just got done trying everything. Like, yeah, of course you're going to feel amazing. And I'm like, and that's where it just hit me. I was like, man, this brand looks amazing. It tastes unbelievable. And most importantly, it makes me feel incredible. I would come here every single day, multiple times a day, maybe. And, and that's where I started asking, mind you, this is all very strange because I'm having this experience and I'm like, I'm, I'm there for the cell phone repair concept. I'm just randomly in this place. Okay. Nothing was staged and set up. And by the way, this was the Thursday before they opened on, on that upcoming Monday. So they're not even open yet. So I'm getting like the sneak preview. Um, and so I'm just like, that's where I started asking questions. Like, well, what are y'all thinking y'all are going to do here? Like, what's your business plan? And they're like, oh, we're thinking, you know, maybe like, you know, $10 average ticket, maybe 100 tickets a day, you know, 30000 a month. They had a little profit margin baked in there. And I was just like, I think you guys are wildly, wildly underestimating what you're going to do here because this is unlike anything that I've ever seen before. Because you have a lot of concepts that are out there that already cater to people that have the healthy palate and healthy eatery. They already get the lifestyle. They're already a part of that lifestyle. They're already on that bandwagon. And that's great. But I've never come across anything that can reach people like me and bridge the gap to connect healthy eatery to people that have never really been healthy. And um, it's, it's really, that's the best way that I can say it is it's a brand that can bridge the gap and, and bring healthy eatery to people that, need it the most, uh, honestly. And so anyway, I just kind of left that day and I, I called Michael, who's my brother-in-law and business partner. He's our CFO and general counsel um, today. And uh, I called him. I said, dude, mark my words. I know as random as it's going to sound, we're about to get in the juice business. Uh, he was like, what are you? And he's just like <laughs> me, like from Southeast Louisiana, no fruits and vegetables. I'm like, dude, you got to come up here. Make sure I'm not crazy here. Okay. I just, Cause I'm kind of mind blown right now. I need you. To, I need a second opinion, but I'm a, I'm positive. Like this thing is unlike anything I've ever seen before. So he goes up like the next week, and same exact conclusion. He's just as blown away. He can't believe it. So that's where we, you know, I'm like, all right, well, let me watch what they do. So I told you that this was the third. I saw them the Thursday before they opened on that Monday. They opened Monday. They didn't do any marketing, any advertisement. They just turned the open sign. I think they did like a. $100 Facebook boost, okay? And they sold out of everything by 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Everything. Just nothing else to sell. I'm like, it's gone. Again, while they, I mean, they did like $5,000 or $6,000 their first day. Well, then they're like trying to keep up and like they didn't get a big enough juicer because they weren't anticipating. So they're like juicing through the night, kind of like a bakery does. I mean, just constantly, 24-7. Like, 
not stopping in uh in every day they were selling out they were selling out they couldn't keep up even juicing through the night they couldn't keep up uh, through their full business hours which they closed at at 8 p.m so that's where i was just you know confirmation for me they did like you know 90 uh plus thousand dollars that first month and i was just like okay i knew it so uh yeah so bottom line is i kind of scrapped fixed my phone you know focused on my attention uh main squeeze we ended up making a deal with Nick and Carl, who, by the way, they were basically the the, the financiers for uh, Matt and Miranda. Okay, so they kind of funded the Main Squeeze project. Uh, so Matt and Miranda, kind of the brain children behind creating everything, uh, but Nick and Carl, uh, the financial backers. And so I basically made a deal with them um, for Main Squeeze franchise, uh, myself, Michael, uh, and Nick and Carl. Uh, and, uh, and so we created the, uh, the entity in, I think it was June of, uh, 17. So shortly after they opened May, created the entity in June, uh, Michael started writing the FTD, uh, which by the way, Michael worked with me, uh, and for me with, uh, in and out smart repair, uh, as our general counsel. So he had obviously the legal, uh, background and experience in franchising. And so he got to work on writing that FTD, which was really nice because, we just got to come off of that experience within an ad. I can tell you it was like incredible. Um, we learned so much. It was most, most of what not to do, right? Those lessons for whatever reason seem to really stick with you, um, yeah. more than any of the other ones. Uh, and so we were coming fresh <laughs> off of that experience to be able to really start building immediately our foundation, starting with the FDD and the franchise agreement on really, really solid ground. Um, and so we completed the FDD in September. Um, while we were doing that, it was kind of crazy because we found out like Nick and Carl thought that the name was available, Main Squeeze, like you'd mentioned that in the very beginning. Um, I agree that name for lack of better analogies. I mean, it's like the McDonald's name of this segment. Like I, I was immediately in love with it. I actually couldn't believe it that they said it was available. And I was like, how is that possible? Well, as it turns out, they were wrong. It's not available. Um, I'd already, by the way, taken in some deposits on franchise. I mean, so it's in September. We're like trying to, we can't do the FD. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's what a franchise company is doing. You're licensing the name, the rights to the, right? So and we didn't have the name. I got everybody excited about this amazing concept and this you know, amazing name and even took deposits on it. We didn't even have the name. So as it turns out, it's this random person that, uh, that, that already owned the trademark in Charleston, South Carolina. And I'm doing everything to try to get this guy's information. Like they had different software systems. I basically like probably made 400, maybe 300 to 400 cold calls trying to get a hold of this all day. I was just on the phone trying to call just, different numbers that the software suggested. Maybe this is it, you know, and, you know, and I finally got in touch with like this guy's um, cousin or something. And then they got me his information, finally got in contact with him. So ended up doing a deal, buying that trademark for like $30,000. Um, right. I mean, right in the nick of time, literally to the point where we were about to have to change the name. The other partner's like, Hey, look, dude, we can't have, it's just not going to work. We had, and so we were going through alternative names like daily, uh, it was Daily Juice, and it was just a bunch of different ones that none of them got me excited. Um, so I was like, no, we're not giving up. We're I'm going to find this guy. I'm going to find him, and I'm going to make a deal with him, and I'm going to buy buy the name from him. And, and that's exactly what we did. And then we started franchising September of uh, 
17, uh, in that process too, like leveraging all of my background and knowledge with, um, AT&T and then in and out to create the systems and the processes, the operating manual, the development manual, um, all that fun stuff. And we're working expeditiously with the main, the, uh, Lake Charles team, because, you know, a lot of their stuff was like, okay, a pinch of this and a handful of this. Okay. So we had to go and exactly so that we can you know scale everything and reproduce and replicate and so um so we did all that and started franchising uh and official licensing september of 17 and then i mean the rest is history you know i mean we have we just opened our 25th location uh we have 50 plus more that are in various stages of development right now within uh either doing you know they're either in the real estate phase or design or active construction and, uh, and and we're just wide open, man. We're we're guns a blazing. That's amazing. What a, what a wild story and impressive how how quickly it came together. It is. And uh, yeah, I agree. Kudos to you for for tracking down that name. I think uh, you know to your point earlier. I think in that in that space, it's pretty easy to to alienate people if you come across as you know super green, healthy, or something like that. But but a name like Main Squeeze can kind of you know Bring resonate you with everyone. So I think it's. I think it's really important you you stuck with it and and, and tried to track that down because um, to your point you know if you want to attract guys like you and and convince them that uh, juice is good uh, you know a, a name like Main Squeeze is a is a good start. Um, so sorry, how many how many locations do you currently have? So we have twenty five open and operating, and then we have fifty plus more that are in various stages of uh, development. And and most of those locations are Texas, Louisiana, and Florida. Is so is is the plan to kind of continue to grow regionally? Yeah, and we really want to focus on the Southeast region um, because we really are a brand that can bridge that gap. I mean, East Coast and West Coast already have some penetration. Uh, in terms of market share with our competitors, actually our two biggest competitors who I consider are real competitors, um, for example, meaning like I don't consider tropical smoothie a primary competitor. I don't consider smoothie king a primary competitor. I mean, what they do, what we do, the customers that we're going after are completely different. And so my two largest competitors I consider, uh, that are in the franchising game are Nectar, which is on the West Coast, and then you have Clean Juice, it's on the East Coast. So we're kind of starting right in Louisiana, Texas, and we're kind of working our way out where they start on the ends, they're working their way in. Um, but for us, we one of the things, like I told you, I learned many lessons in with, with, with working with in and out And um, one of the lessons that I learned uh, not to do is ever have any type of a shotgun approach uh, with development. And so we have calls all the time, people wanting to do deals all over the place, but onesies, twosies, we're not doing that. We're not going to, because I, I know what that means. It's, it, it seems like you could do it and you're like, Oh, I can make this make sense. I can make, but, but it doesn't make sense. Logistically, you have to grow in clusters. And so our strategy is more like focus on one market at a time and really go after that market with a domination strategy in mind. Like we just want to go in and completely take over all market share within this one market. And then when you do that, now you're really leveraging your brand power in the power of being a brand. Because now you have, you know, for example, in Houston, we're going to have, you know, um, 30 locations in Houston. Well, when you have 30 locations in Houston with different owners and operators that are all able to leverage, you know, um, marketing and logistics. Yeah. I mean, you just, you squeeze everybody else out, you know, what, uh, so it's, it's really a cluster, uh, focused 
growth uh, strategy, and, and we are concentrating specifically on the Southeast region. We find, too, that just especially in the smoothie category, you know, that being in the, you know, warmer climate uh, also um, also makes a difference. And we, we, we observe that, notice that even in our in our seasonal trends, when it gets colder, smoothie sales dip. When it gets warmer, smoothie sales go up. So obviously, uh, not to say that we won't ever go up north where it's colder, longer, and things like that, because we, we do have other category items, but we'll probably wait for our menu development to, uh, you know, to, to kind of evolve where we can, you know, we have visions where we're trialing up an all 100% plant-based um, vegan breakfast sandwich that would blow your mind away. We just introduced toast not too long ago. We've got, uh, you know, vision to be able to bring in soups and some other uh, sandwich, kind of more substance-based items. So once we kind of really um, make our menu more robust in, in that matter, um, you know, we're, we're inevitably still going to, you know, we're still going to go up north. But right now, we're just focused on the southeast region. Yeah, that's that's a really smart approach, and and I, I think it, it probably takes some discipline, particularly as an emerging brand, because right because it's easy to kind of get excited, hard, and, hard to say no to money, yeah, and, and chase things. But um, so so what do you kind of look for in a location or or a market, and 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 what's what are some of the what's what's the next few markets that you you really hope to to penetrate? Well, right now we have a big focus. We have a 10 store development project that we're doing in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, North Florida. Um, and so uh, just I'll use that as an example. Um, so kind of our strategy and our approach with real estate um, is uh, leveraging the power of big data and, um, and knowing exactly who your customer is, not based off of what you think, you know, and just your general observations, but really leveraging the full extent of, of what big data um, can offer in terms of <clears throat> indicators. And so we partner with a company called Birchwood Resultants. And, uh, and basically what those guys do is a part of our loyalty program for Main Squeeze. Uh, when you go and you're putting your phone number in, your email address, et cetera, you're setting up your, your loyalty account. Uh, from that in information, we're reverse geocoding, um, all of our prime, our customers that we consider our lifetime, uh, lifestyle customers. And, uh, and so we kind of, uh, create main squeeze avatars, right, from those customers. And then from there, to make a very complex process um, pretty simple, we are able to identify who those avatars are. And when we're going into a market, we know exactly where those specific customers, those avatars, live, work, and play. Um, and so from there, we're able to also analyze site specific factors, 160 site specific factors to a specific site location that we're looking at, negotiating uh, upon. And, uh, and from that questionnaire, the site-specific factors with the market data that we understand with big data, we have an algorithm that basically uh, pulls together and projects um, what that store is going to do uh, in, in gross revenue. And, and it's, it's pretty uh, amazing how accurate uh, that data is. It's not information that we... Um, share with the franchisees candidly uh just just because we we legally can't but it's information that we know and that's really important because for our franchisees to know that we have this tool and this knowledge because when we're negotiating 
leases, LOIs and leases with developers, we, we kind of know where we need to be, rent to revenue ratio, right, to make the numbers work. And so we're just kind of backing in, okay, well, we're, we're thinking based off of data that this is what the store is going to do revenue wise. We know this is where we're negotiating at rent right now. Okay, well, if we're at 13 points, you know, rent to revenue based off of the predicted revenue and based off of rent. Well, that's, I know I got to come down by at least three points. We've been, so I know now I can target negotiations and know exactly where we have to land. Um, and just, we have a very powerful tool to be able to go and no go on uh, site locations. That's really slick and, and obviously super helpful. And when uh, you're assisting. It's also very expensive. Yeah, it's, it sounds it's like it, but uh, <laughs> it, important, I'm sure, as you know, you want new franchisees to come out of the gate and, uh, you know, have the numbers work. And, and There's only two variables where this doesn't work. Main squeeze, being successful, I mean. One is if I do a deal with the wrong person and it's just not the yeah. right fit. Uh, doesn't even necessarily mean that they're bad or they suck. It just means that maybe it wasn't the right fit. Number two is if we do a location in the wrong area, we, we, we miss it on the site. I mean, those are the two biggest variables that really dictate. It's the only things that can, um, that can cause failure to main squeeze because this is, it's the most incredible brand, the most incredible products. We have the most incredible proprietary self-made technology that we use for point of sale business management. We've got the best people, team training, store design, those are the only two reasons that it can fail. I think you uh, just you just got to put them in uh, the same shopping centers as Whole Foods. Isn't that a good strategy? Barring the restrictions that Whole Foods has uh, for us to, to do exactly that, yes. It's close to Whole Foods. It's close to um, you know a few other little tidbits that go into everything. Yeah, I mean, orange. You, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. You'll notice that the majority of our locations, if they're not sharing walls with Orange Theory, you could you could throw it and hit it with a rock. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in Boulder, Colorado. So it's kind of like the Mecca of, of the, this kind of stuff, but there's a, um, yep. there's a, a, a natural or a healthy pet supply, you know, pet retail store out here that uh, started here. And, and I know there's their like national expansion strategy is to kind of <clears throat> be as close to Whole Foods as you can. And it seems like a, it's working pretty well for them. Well, like I said, we, we use our big data, but we're still very young. So what that means is that our data is still very limiting and limited based off mm -hmm. of we only have so much historical data. The more data that we have, the more territories that we go into, right, and the longer terms that we have, okay, well, the, the data gets stronger and stronger and more accurate. So to your point, you know, in, in addition to what we're doing with our own data, we're also going to go ahead and piggyback on the big data of mega brands that we know are also targeting our customers. Yeah, no, for sure. How long are you typically seeing, you know, for site selection and build out before, you know, a new franchisee could be open? Typically about 18 months. And I say that just because a lot of times we are so picky with our site selection uh, process. You know, we also have a Another little differentiating factor with us and our two, you know, our primary competitors and most competitors in our space, you know, our mission is making healthy easier. So we do that by making it uh, taste amazing, like we talked about, making it affordable. We have the most generous and best loyalty program, but we also it also has to be easy. It's got to be convenient. It's got to be quick. It's got to be fast, right? 
Um, and so drive throughs are really, really important to us. We've made that more of a focus than anybody else in our space. So because of that, we're looking for, you know, drive through spaces that are like 1,500 square foot in caps, which is typically low square footage for an in cap drive through. So we're kind of looking for unicorns, you know, to an extent. And, and those unicorns are typically found in, um, in developments that haven't been developed yet and in many cases are still dirt. And you touched on the you touched on the menu a little bit, but I was curious, does it draw more of a like a breakfast or a lunch crowd? So I'd say breakfast and lunch and then we we're a little slower uh, in the afternoons. We we do get bumps after, you know, school and things like that. Uh, kids getting off school. Uh, we're definitely the, the lightest um, hours are our you know our dinner time hours you could say. But it's honestly a different location. Some are busier in the mornings than they are for lunch. Some locations are busier in lunch than they are in the mornings. One of the things that we are trying to do across the board is to be able to capitalize and lift our, our kind of breakfast time sales. That's why we're trialing out that breakfast sandwich um, that we really think is going to be a game changer. Uh, and we're going to be serving it all day, too. So... Um, we're calling it the breakfast sandwich, but it's a breakfast sandwich that we're serving all day. And it's three different sandwich options that we have. So but it, it's, it varies location to location between uh, morning and, uh, and uh, lunchtime. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, if, if I'm driving in the car and I got my kids in the car, you know, coming home from a game on Saturday or practices and I ask them what they want to eat for lunch, you know, the, the two middle schoolers will say acai bowls and, you know, the the eight-year-old will say Chick-fil-A all the time, but it's funny. I mean, the the uh, you know eleven and thirteen-year-old they are they are all in on smoothies and acai bowls, and, and that, that's kind of funny. It's it's interesting to me that, and that's why when people talk about you know when we're talking kind of about who we are, what we do, and what space we're in, what lane we're in, uh, you know, and sometimes you know the the common um, I guess argument that some people could have is you know well is this just a trend? You know, is this just a fad? Is this and I'm like, well, it is a trend. Uh, it's a trend that's been happening for decades. And it's a trend that's never going to stop because at the core of it, it's fruits and vegetables. And just, again, I'm a simple-minded person. So just, I, I kind of put it like this. From the year 1990 to the year 2000, in 2000, did people become more conscious or less conscious of what they're putting in their body? They became more conscious. You had the internet, access to resources, information. All right, so from 2000 to 2010, in 2010, from 2000, did people become more conscious or less conscious? They became more conscious. Okay, from 2010 to 2020, especially with the pandemic, did people become more conscious or less? More? That trend's not going to stop. And so to your point, though, what happens, there's a generational impact, too, that, you know, the way that I grew up, you and I, when we grew up, like, we didn't after a game go and get an acai bowl. We went to go. We went to the snowball stand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that didn't exist. And so now you have parents that are also, you know, uh, feeding their kids. You know, more holistic foods. They're paying attention to nutrition. That's being taught by demonstration and example and behavior to their kids. So you have the younger generation that's growing up just in a very very different way. Way more educated. Way more informed. That prioritize health and nutrition a, a hell of a lot more than you and I did when we grew up. No, for sure. And it's funny. I mean, even if you walk down the aisle at a Costco, you know, the frozen food section, there is so much frozen fruit packaged specifically to 
you know, to make smoothies, smoothies at home, even, you know, even, you know, single serve acai smoothie packets. I mean, Absolutely. That, just shows, that just shows you that, you know, people are, you know, consuming this. Um, you touched on a little bit about, uh, you know, one, one of the two areas that could, that could go wrong was the, um, the candidate. So, so who is an ideal candidate? And I'm doing the, the air quotes here on an ideal candidate, but uh, what do you think are some, something that uh, makes somebody a good fit? Well, first and foremost, let, let's get the, the, com- the topic of finances uh, is going to be applicable, obviously. So there is a financial qualifier. The number one reason businesses and, and entrepreneurs fail is because they, they get into a deal, they don't count the cost properly, and they're undercapitalized, and that's why they fail. So we make sure that that doesn't happen, and we have a very high threshold of what we're expecting. I mean, we, we, have a, we want to see a $600,000 minimum uh, net worth, and so, and we even tell people, and you need to expect to spend $600,000 on your, um, on your build out, your initial investment with us, even though the, the reality is our builds have come back. We haven't ever had anyone come close to that high. Um, you know, our average probably is between 320, 340, 50,000, um, net all in, uh, turnkey after you open the doors, uh, net your TI. But nevertheless, we want to make sure you have more than enough. So we got to get that conversation out of the sure. way first so we, we do that. Then after that, yeah. um, it really needs to be somebody that is passionate about wellness and our mission. It needs to be somebody that genuinely mm-hmm. is passionate about serving and wanting to serve healthy, clean eatery in their, into their community. Uh, and the reason I say that, because that just sounds like that, you know, I just feel like it's just, you know, it can sound cheesy. Oh, you got to be passionate. Like everybody says that. Well, I mean, there's a reason everybody says it too. It is true. It is true because if you're not passionate, you know what's going to happen? This is not a snowball stand. Okay. This is a, it, it is not, yeah. it might sound easy. Oh, it's juice and smoothies. That's got to be easy. Yeah. We house make all of our juice. We fresh press our juice every single day in our source. Um, it is, it's, so if you're looking for like, Hey, what's the easiest route? That's not us. I'm not even, I'm not going to tell you that it's easy. I mean, yeah, it's not a full blown restaurant. We don't have, you know, um, it's toned down from concepts. They're going to have, you know, uh, a lot of grills and, and, and hoods and Greek fryers and things like that. So, but it's, you know, you can't, I'm not looking for somebody who thinks that this is easy. Yeah. And to your point earlier, I mean, you, you said, right, like a couple pounds of fruits and vegetables go into, you know, one, two to four pounds in every one in one bottle. That's a lot of a lot of labor, a lot of product. And yeah, exactly. And so you have to be passionate about what we do, because if you're not passionate and this is just in general, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, when the going gets tough and it will get tough, uh, when you go through the you know, it's not always mountaintops. You go through mountaintops and valleys. And when yep. you go through the valleys, you know, it's easy when you're at the mountaintops to be happy and positive and everything's great. Oh, you know, yeah. When you're, when you're at the mountaintop, it's easy to be positive. It's easy to work hard and feel good. But when you're going through the valleys, that's where you find out who somebody is. That's where you really, your character is tested. And, and those are the battles that, that matter the most is, is when you're going through, and if you're not passionate about what you're doing, when you go through the valleys, you're going to quit. You're going to want to give up because it's not worth it to you. 
because you don't have a deeper meaning and care for what you're doing aside from just something surface level like money. That's a surface level component. Like, yes, we want everybody to make money. This is a very profitable business. We have the evidence of that. That's wonderful. But that can't be your why. That can't be what drives you. So we really are looking for somebody that's genuinely passionate about our mission, our brand. We really, you know, especially, you know, for example, if you don't, if you're not in love with all of our products, if all you're asking me in our due diligence period is about numbers, 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 money, 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 margins, margins, like we have to talk about all those things and it's important to talk about them. Um, but if that's all you want to talk about, and there's no other conversation anywhere about culture, people, the mission, and the passion behind your why. Uh, it's that's that's not going to be a right fit for us. Doesn't mean that's not a very successful entrepreneur, soon to be entrepreneur or existing entrepreneur that's looking to add us to their portfolio. Doesn't mean anything personal against them. It just means it's not the right fit because I don't think that you're going to be able to make it. Because whenever it gets hard, you're gonna you're I'm gonna always risk you wanting to quit or you wanting to throw in the towel. And, and I, I just can't risk that. Sure. And, and if you lack the passion as the owner of that location, you know, how, how inspired are your employees and employees staff be? and then the customers It trickles all down, you reproduce who you are. Absolutely. So do you guys support uh, semi-absentee ownership? We do, we do, but we do with the understanding that a, a, a law that exists that you can't avoid has to be acknowledged, which is, you can't delegate what you don't know. You can't manage what you don't know. And that's for anything, for anybody, no matter what we're talking about. That's true. It's a law. And so you can't get into this thinking you're buying a stock off the shelf and that it's just going to run itself. You are going to have to sacrifice. You will for six months, you're buying a job. I mean, you ha at least you have to be actively engaged only so that you can master and fully understand the inner workings of the operation and what right looks like and what wrong looks like so that when you're managing your GM and they're giving you BS about why they are where they are with their cost of goods or with this or with that or the customer experience or their tax rate, you know how to call BS. You have to know what's what. You can't delegate what you don't know. You have to master it first and then absolutely I kind of touched on it uh, briefly. We actually support that better than anybody because of our software and the intelligence that we empower our, um, our franchisees with. We created before I ever, I told you we started licensing September of 17. September of 17, uh, before we ever had a franchise location open, which by the way, the first franchise location opened in uh, September of 18. Um, and, and so we, for us, we made a play early on that we were going to make sure our franchisees were able to better than anybody else have more knowledge, tools, and resources at their fingertips from data um, than any competitors. And so we self-created and developed um, all of the business management software. So we're talking point of sale, uh, customer rewards, loyalty, customer proprietary customer feedback tool that's like one of a kind. 
Um, we have an SMS marketing platform uh, that is unique to be able to, we know our customers' purchasing behaviors. We can target specific sales for specific customers based off of what they specifically like most. And we're not blasting them with messages that are not applicable. For example, if somebody's primarily a juice customer, like we're not sending them, you know, our, our smoothie promo messages. We know exactly what they like. We're tailoring promotions and, and, and things just for, for, you know, our customers. And that's all a part of our platform, uh, workforce management, schedule tool optimization, timekeeping, I mean, inventory management uh, to manage your cost of goods because uh, your inventory is your cash. Uh, so our vision was to create um, all of these uh, tools so that our franchisees could spend more time focus on the customer experience, delivering the customer experience, more time with their teams to create in, an inspired and engaged workforce team uh, that can deliver that extraordinary experience for customers. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it all, that makes a big difference when you have tools like that. So yes, we support absentee owners, uh, semi-absentee ownership models, but you still have to learn the business first. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. I mean, really impressive for an emerging brand because, um, I guess it goes to your your history in the franchising space because because not many emerging brands kind of have access to that kind of you know data or or use it as you do and and that and the cool thing is is that that will only continue to grow as your you know as your network grows as as the as the number of locations you have grows so that's only going to become more powerful for you and the franchisees. Yeah, I mean that the same thing I said, you know, for the business bank, we also created our own website. We just launched our our badass mobile enterprise app on Android and and iOS. Uh, it's got uh, what I call next level curbside. Uh, it's just pretty cool. I think you could appreciate this. So you know how like even Chick-fil-A and McDonald's, they have the little signs in the parking lot now where, you know, you can order from the app and pull up to the spot and then you can notify, Hey, I'm here. So you can bring it right. Well, ours kind of takes it to the next level um, and makes it even easier to where uh, we have the only curbside service where you don't have to wait. You're not pressing a button and still waiting for the employee where we're actually waiting for you. So we have geofencing around all of our locations. And so when you're in route, when you get within a certain proximity and we customize that proximity different by different uh, location, uh, site specific variable factors that go into it. But basically once you get to a certain distance, approximately about, you know, uh, 250 feet away, it pings the restaurant we come out there. We already have yours. So you're pulling up and we're already there. So it's like next level yeah, yeah. stuff. And that's why where, where we can't get drive throughs now, uh, we're just we're getting designated parking spots. Um, but again, that's that's what happens when you make the, the type of investment that you make to be able to have your own software team um, build and create what you want, the way that you want. And you can do it better than anybody else because you have that autonomy. I mean that's that's great, and again, another differentiator that really separates you from, you know, from the competition, and not only in the you know not only in the juice space, but you know maybe in the you know in the healthy quick serve space or you know anyone absolutely who may be looking at that. How um, what are the typical hours of owning and operate like owning a location? Yeah, we're open seven a.m. to eight p.m. Um, Monday through Friday and Saturdays. Um, we, we just close um, 
a bit early. Sunday we open a bit later, but um, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, Monday through Friday, it's 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. And how many employees are typically on at any given time? Uh, I'd say probably uh, three um, at any one time to five, depending on the size of the location. Does it have a drive-through? Um, are they doing juice production on-site at that location? Um, I say that because some multi-unit um, franchisees um, uh, can, you know, will produce uh, at Cent- one location yep, to kind of streamline and kind of make the margins that much better because you're not having to buy, you know, the, the our juicers are $30,000 piece of equipment, you know, so uh, they save the money there, then they save the labor. And so, you know, um, based off of all those factors, I'd say between three to five. And um, you touched a little bit on a, on a typical investment. So you're, you're seeing on average about, about 350K to, to kind of get a location open, but, you know, Obviously, there's net your TI after you get the TI back. Uh, that's where it's landing. Yep. And uh, do you guys have an item 19? And can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, again, given that we're a younger brand, uh, meaning we have limited historical data, like I said, the first franchise location that we had opened uh, didn't open uh, till September of 18. So, again, that being said, what we did was we basically, instead of typically you have annual um, reporting that you see, we did it by month just because it's a truer number based off of uh, our tenure. Um, but yeah, we have, I'm looking at right here, our top third uh, franchise locations, uh, $75,245 um, per 30-day month. Um, yep. In our uh, top two-thirds, uh, is 63,684 average, uh, per 30 day month. And then the overall average, um, for everybody is $55,836 in gross revenue, uh, per 30 day month. Yeah. So, I mean that, that top third, you're, you're, you're getting close to, you know, a million dollars a location. So million dollars. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's. And, and, and obviously that, you know, what we're seeing, which is not just specific to us, but just consistent, generally speaking, with franchises, the more you tenure, obviously, we're having year-over-year growth for same-store sales. Uh, so those numbers continue to grow and evolve the longer that the stores and the doors are open. And I mean, no one wants to um, you know, do business or have to pivot or a- any of this through a pandemic or a pandemic again. But I, I, I imagine you know, to, to go through that only makes you guys stronger and probably um, really just sets you up for the future, even better, just, you know, because you had to think through some of these things, you know, even like the, the curbside pickup and things like that probably really expedited it. And on top of that, you know, the, the renewed focus on, on health and, you know, what I'm putting in my body and, and that sort of thing really, really aligns with what you guys are doing. So I think it, it's, things are setting up pretty well for, for a good couple, couple years run here for you guys. Yeah, there is, look, it was, that, I think that's a good way to characterize it. It was certainly a test. Um, certainly was not easy. Uh, we actually still had sales lifted uh, year over year, same store sales in, in 2020, which is um, something that we're very grateful for. Um, but uh, it was certainly not easy. Uh, it's still not easy, honestly. We still, you know, and, and I'd say even maybe even more so now than the original, um, 
you know, shock of the uh, of COVID yeah. when it, you know, the lockdown Locked started the lockdown, in March. Yeah, yeah it, just because of now the labor, you know, all the supply chains, logistics. I mean, it's kind of a nightmare right now for everybody in the restaurant space. Um, yeah. You talk to anybody, if they're going to talk plainly to you and candidly, they're going to tell you that. I mean, the best way to describe it this past year in 2021 has been whack-a-mole. I mean, I, I would be surprised. Like, I would say 80% more or, or plus – uh, so 80% or more of our existing product SKUs, our, our, you know, our product lineup, we've had to do alternates and find alternates and find substitutions on the fly. Like we're finding out last second from the manufacturer, like we put in a PO, we're supposed to get the PO and then it just doesn't show up. We don't get an advance notice. We don't get a heads up on the fly. We find out that you're not getting any bowls. So what are you to do for your eyesight? Like, and we have to figure it out tomorrow, like by tomorrow. Um, so it's, that's been very, very challenging, difficult. Obviously the hiring, uh, and, and labor challenges are very, very real. We're still feeling all that. Um, but all of this, I would say from pandemic to current pandemic, uh, yeah, getting into the, 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 the after effects of it, I, I think, um, it's how I characterize it has been a test, but to your point, it has also, there's some positive things that I know are going to come out of it, such as some of the things that we did to be able to um, expedite like our mobile application. I mean, with that curbside and we didn't have, I mean, a little fun fact, again, uh, benefit of having your own software um, company, but you know, we didn't have curbside functionality. We didn't have an app. We didn't have any of that when we had the lockdowns hit in, in March of 2020. So we literally, pivoted on a dime and within two weeks we scoped created tested and rolled out curbside ordering to all of our customers which is like miraculous um yeah it's crazy so you know we and look we inst we uh instituted something called uh our self-order kiosk where we you know, it's basically an additional order point, contactless uh, ordering. What we have it mounted conveniently right by our juice cooler, so it's like a self checkout to where a customer can come in. You can have your headphones on, not be talking to anybody. Just come in, check out, and go real quick, real fast. Um, we've got juice education on there. Um, you know, it, it's it's uh, there's been a lot of things that we created as a result and expedited um, as a result of the pandemic that are going to remain and, and continue to just be drivers to, to help us in delivering a more convenient experience for our customers. The pandemic probably changed some, you know, consumer behavior and even, and even consumer tolerance, you know, just, you know, uh, you know, you, we're kind of used to going to stores and seeing, you know, they're, they're open different hours or they're out of lids. They don't have lids. They don't have straws. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. the menu's limited. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't last, but hopefully people remain. Uh, we, we've got. You know. I'd say we our customers are are really awesome, and they've uh, they've definitely been very understanding, uh, and and so that that is is very much appreciated. Um, it doesn't it doesn't stop us from demanding excellence and getting you know perfection um, as our goal, but it is it is appreciated that we have a little bit of sympathy and empathy and understanding from our customers. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I think that probably says a lot about, you know, the, your culture, right? And and kind of the vibe and the feel that the the store, you know, gives off, if you will. Most definitely. Well, Thomas, this has been great. 
Um, if a listener would like to learn more about becoming a franchisee, is, is your website the best place to start? Definitely. Mainsqueezefranchise.com or you can go to mainsqueezejuiceco.com, hit owner franchise. Uh, it'll bring you to that site. Uh, and very quick little inquiry form. If you want to learn more about the opportunity that you can, you know, it takes literally probably 30 seconds to um, initially fill out. And um, yeah, we'd love to, to talk to anybody that's interested in partnering up and helping to bring um, healthy eatery to your community. Awesome. Well, Thomas, thanks again for joining us today. I've really enjoyed learning more about uh, the history and the adventure you guys have been on and, and with Main Squeeze Juice Co. And I'm really excited to watch you continue to grow and uh, definitely would love to try it sometime. So next time I'm in the South. Oh, you have to, man. You have to. You have to call me up. I'll um, I'll, I'll hook you awesome. up, man. But, uh, <laughs> I'll take yeah, you gr- up. Look, greater... Great, greater things are yet to come, and I really appreciate the opportunity to um, talk to you today, Greg. So thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, thanks again, Thomas. It was fun. Thanks for listening to another episode of Franchise Hounds. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode or would like to work with me directly to explore franchise ownership opportunities, please reach out through the form on our website at franchisehounds.com.